Welcome to Multifamily AP 360, the show where we discuss 360-degree views on mindset, passive, and active multifamily investment. If you're looking for tips and strategies, or just want to learn from the experiences of others, both good and bad, then listen on. This is Multifamily AP 360 with your host, Ramakrishna Chunchu. Today's our guest is Simon Severino from Strategy Experience. Welcome, Simon. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Sure, Simon. Thank you very much. Little bit about Simon. Simon helps business owners in SaaS and services run their company more effectively, which results in sales that soar. Trusted by Google, Roche, Consilience Ventures, Amgen, ABB, he created the strategy sprints method that doubles revenue in 90 days by getting owners out of the weeds. TEDx speaker, contributor to Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, member of the SBBS Silicon Valley Blockchain Society. So with the Simon, you want to add anything to your background? Yes, that's what I do. I'm, I help business teams with go-to-market, everything, entering a market, crushing it in the market and staying in the market. And this is quite relevant right now as we have a slow growing or even negatively growing economy. Got it. How did you get into this kind of business? I started with being in a in one in a global consultancy and I was junior consultant and then I worked up the ranks and um, I flew from New York to Paris to uh, Shanghai to do uh, strategy work and go to market work with big brands. And then later on, I started my own company, Strategy Sprints. Got it. So what, what are the lessons learned by working in these big, big brand, big companies? Mul- multiple things that were not working and that we had to improve. Um, the old world changing. And so the main, my main point was we have to change as quickly as the life of our clients changes. So... If we are slower than their life changes, then our products, our services are irrelevant. So we have to be adaptable uh, much quicker. And that's why I created Strategy Sprints, which is a method for agile, quick adaptation. How can you be faster in learning and faster in adapting to everything that happens? Like if tomorrow the supply chain breaks, How fast can you adapt? Because the ones who will adapt faster will stay in the game. Everybody else will not. Yeah. So, so that's awesome. Awesome concept. How do you know, like, you know, so when to change and when to not change? When, when the customer has new needs, this is when we need to change. So if we are delivering something and then now the customer doesn't need it anymore because his world has changed. Now is the time to change. That's why in the strategy sprints method, we have a 90 days program. And in those 90 days, that's 12 weeks, every seven days, we measure the marketing number, the sales number, and the operations number of each client. So that you get the weak signals. Every seven days, you know what's working, what's not, and if something is changing outside. Even if you have a slight variation, minus 0.2%, on that number in that week, you see already some weak signals coming. You say, hmm, something is strange here. Is there something coming? Do we have to check? 
something. And so we call this real-time dashboard because you have your three most important numbers every seven days. Now you're basing your decisions based on reality, not based on narrative. And also, you know, of all the things that you do, which ones do actually work? And so you will do more of that. And which one do not work? You will do less of that. One thing that we see a lot of people doing is too many activities. They do social media and lead gen and sales and whatever. They do too many things at once. If you just focus on the things that are working for you this week and you improve them, you automate them, you scale them. And so that's actually less work and much more impact. That's why for 90 days we say, okay, pick one offer, guys, one of your services, and let's totally improve, standardize, automate, scale that one. And so we start by mapping it out, then getting the, the, the team out of the weeds because they are usually in the business so much that they don't have time to work on the business. So we free up in the first month, we free up 10 to 14 hours of their time so that they have now time to work on form, fit and function of the sales processes, form, fit and function of the marketing processes, form, fit and function of customer onboarding and customer, customer wowing, how you make the customer like super successful. Because if you do that, uh, then you can create a referral engine around that from every customer. You can create three new customers. If you get this piece right, that's why in month one, we have to simplify it. In month two, we optimize it. And in month three, we can scale it. Awesome. Awesome concepts. So and what kind of data you will gather during, you know, initial phases? We have uh, a large database that we survey. And so we know exactly which parts of their sales and marketing break where they need more help and we build modules continuously plus each team so when i say modules it's modules in the sprint university they have 274 templates and and tools ready for them so that they can uh, save time and do things faster and um, and they collect every seven days their data the marketing number sales number and ops number so they have to pick one and every seven days we all see this live dashboard. So we all know, okay, sales is growing or it's not growing. Oh, it's stalling. Okay, let's reprioritize. What is going on? How do we rebudget our attention here? Um, th these are the two data points. One is asking, uh, doing a deep survey every 30 days of 1,600 teams in our world. And the other one is every seven days, each team has their sprint dashboard, marketing number, sales number, ops number. Got it. Thank you. So how to maximize or how to double sales in sprints or how to maximize your return on luck or those kind of stuff? Yes. Many ask, how is it possible that you double sales in 90 days? And it's not that hard, actually. People like Jay Abraham and other of our mentors have shown that Actually, you have three points. If you just increase them by 25%, you are increasing revenue by 99%. One is the frequency of your sales. If you increase the frequency by 25%, that's enough. And how can you do it? By shortening the sales time. So sales time, especially in B2B, is sometimes six months, eight months. 
if you shorten that to two months, which is very realistic uh, with our templates, then you have increased the frequency of your sales. And if that doesn't work, then you can still think about upselling, cross-selling and retainments or reducing churn. So this is how you can increase the frequency by 25%. Second piece to increase by 25% is the price that you charge for the, th for the same offer. And you can do that by de-risking for the client. So client testimonials, case studies, um, de-risking each piece. And so we have 15 de-risking tactics, how to reduce risk for the buyer's decisions. And so if you do that, you can increase by 25% the price without changing anything. Um, and then the third piece to increase by 25% is the win rate. When we ask people, okay, how many discovery calls do you have per week? How many are you closing? The win rate is quite low for multiple reasons. One, one is they get the wrong leads in. They don't, they don't qualify them out. They think, well, maybe I can still sell them something. <laughs> and so the win rate is very low. And the second point is, especially with technical teams, is they, they, are, they don't know the sales techniques. And so we teach them sales techniques. We get their sales recordings and we show them exactly. There are 25 sales gaps that we identify. Uh, and then we say, look, you did, you did this thing here. You set the price and then you said, what's the price? And you said, oh, it's $13,000. What? $13,000. Say the price again. And so we do then this ABC sales role plays with them where they have to say the price, $30,000, and then they have to be silent. 16 seconds of Obama style silence. And that's very uncomfortable, but we train this with them. And also not saying the price too early, never sending an offer, always walking them through. So we have a set of helpful rules and principles and we we implement them with them and with their whole team. So that increases the win rate by 25% because usually pre-sprint, they get ghosted a lot. They think, oh, I, I have the, I, I've landed those, it's 85% probability. I got this client, I got this fish. And then, oops, they delayed. Ah, why did they delay? I didn't expect that. But there is actually, there are those 25 sales gaps and there is a very clear buildup into getting ghosted. You don't have, you don't have to get ghosted. So if we look at those 25 sales gaps and we close them, um, you don't get ghosted that much. Awesome. So based on your experience, what are the some of the, you know, best practices or bad examples from your clients, you know, that you observed? Sending an offer via email. That's forbidden in the strategy sprints world. It's forbidden. You send an offer, you will never close the deal. Forget it. Um, you walk them through. You say, yes, I'm happy to send you an offer. Uh, and, and if I just would send it to you, I would do you a, a disservice. So I will walk you through. I will craft it and I will walk you through it. In our next meeting, can we do Friday 2 p.m. or is 3 p.m. better? So you always schedule the next meeting. And in that meeting, you make sure that the decider is in there. So, and I know that for signing, I know from our needs analysis last week that you will need Bob to sign this with you. So what is a good time for Bob to take part in this meeting so that when I walk you through the offer, 
we can decide. Yeah, yeah. So is that applicable for all kinds of sales, like big, big tickets or, you know, medium ticket or low ticket prices? We are in the high ticket business because everything else, actually, I wouldn't touch. So we, we consult high ticket businesses because low ticket items, there is such, such a low profit margin in there that it's three times as hard. So the hardest things are low ticket and hardware. If you happen to move into those two fields, wow, you have to be 10 times better than a normal entrepreneur. And it's tough enough to be a normal entrepreneur with a high ticket offer. So and without hardware, right? So that's hard enough. So if you can go high ticket, uh, and that's much better. And this is where, where we are the best coaches that you can get. So what is the high ticket range? There are different definitions, but let's say everything that it's above 10,000 US dollars a piece is yeah. a high ticket. Okay, got it. Thank you. And let's shift towards other questions. So what are you know, three successful habits for CEOs? So many things are not in our control. Probably 95% is not in our control. So what is actually in our control? Sales is not in our control. Hiring is not in our control. Not even being healthy is in our control. So what the hell is in our control when we run a business? Because if we identify those things, we can control the controllables. So I control only three things. My daily habit, weekly habit, and monthly habit. My daily habit, I wrote down how did I allocate my time today? And what will I delegate tomorrow to a software or to a person? And if I would live more freely and more intentionally, what would I do tomorrow? That takes me five minutes, is a review of the day. And then I write down the flow of the next day. So what will I do tomorrow? That's my daily habit. Whatever happens outside, uh, pandemics, world wars, whatever, this is always in my control, how I apply my time. And as a business owners, we have to delegate, delegate, delegate. So... Every evening, I ask myself, of these tasks, which one will I delegate next? And I'm doing this exercise since 20 years, and I always, and I still find things to delegate. You know, I am out of operations. I am two levels above fulfillment. So I don't have even so many tasks, but I still find something to delegate. Last week, I delegated hiring. So you can all, you, you will always find something. Even Elon Musk finds something to delegate. So we will always find something to delegate. And that's the game of business building is solve a problem, find a solution, then write it down, hand it over, move to the next bigger problem, solve it, write it down, hand it over, move to the next bigger problem. This is business building. So that's the daily habit. Weekly habit is the sprint dashboard, weekly marketing number, sales number, ops number. So are we moving in the right direction at the right pace of all the activities that we do, which one really works so that we can do more of that. And then the monthly and, and also the weekly is always in our control. Whatever happens out there, I can always measure those three numbers, learn from those three numbers. And the monthly habit is a quick strategic analysis. What else can our clients do if they do it on their own or if they do nothing? What else can they do with our competitors? And how do we re-budget next month? Yeah. And now we are slightly better, plus 15%. That's a strategic advantage. Got it. Got it. 
Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much uh, for sharing that. And how to fall in love with the problem. <laughs> what is eternal and what is temporary in business? Uh, I studied philosophy, so I love this question, right? There are some things that are eternal and some things you, you will change all the time. And it's important to know which is which. So what is eternal? Eternal is who you are here to serve and their main problem. So fall in love with that problem. So if you help people who have um, who are in a, in a time crunch, their problem is not having enough time. Fall in love with the problem and then build solutions. But do not fall in love with your solutions because your solutions will change every year, every month. Google is changing their solutions right now as we speak. But the good thing is they are smart enough not to fall in love with their solutions. They are killing projects every month. There is a website. Uh, it's called the Google Graveyard that shows you which projects, and there are those are huge companies, were killed by Google in this month. So they kill a lot of projects. And this should be an, a good example for us. We can change offers, change products, change services all the time. So our solutions will change all the time, hopefully weekly. But what's never changing is who we are here to serve and the main problem that we solve for them. If we stick with that, uh, our brand, our offers will always be relevant, even in 10 years, 20 years. So powerful. So powerful. Thank you. And how, how to build a great community? Community building is something that I've become passionate about recently because it's such a great tool for building network effects, for making your brand stronger, for making your brand being defended from the inside and for referrals, for creating referrals. And that's a great sales mechanism to have. So community building is also much easier than you think. Most people here right now think, oh no, I cannot start a community. For community, you need a, a huge followership on socials, you need a ton of content, and you need a, an established brand. None of those things is true. We are helping people build community that have tiny social followers, no established brand, and zero content. <laughs> and it works. It works pretty well, and it's a great revenue stream also. Uh, because those are paid communities that we were talking about. So there are so many reasons why you should become a community builder. And I'm, I'm giving keynotes uh, in this quarter about community building for specific companies who are starting their journey on community building. And I've created also a course on how community building is done step by step, how you start the community, how you curate the community and how you grow with the community. Because it's easier than most people think, and it's very, very impactful. And I've built communities myself, and you get also, you change when you start a community because you have to shift from star to galaxy, from you know being the highest performer to facilitating performance. That's a very important shift for you as a business owner. It changes you as a human being. And then the next shift that happens is you start to work in public. 
because when you are in a community, you never hide. You, there is no place to hide. Everybody sees what's going on. It's like a podcast. You cannot hide anything in a podcast. Everything sees what you are feeling. And so when you are working in public for extended periods of time, you become more transparent, more vulnerable, more approachable, a better communicator, and, and you become more accessible to others. So there are so many benefits of building a community, branding, strategic, strategic positioning, uh, referrals. And if you just think simply, sometimes when I think, should I pick this CRM software or that CRM software? I always go with the one that has more community because then I know, well, it's alive. So if I have a problem, I can ask somebody. They will probably be around in three years if they have a community. They don't go bust very quickly because they have a community. So there's something going on there. And also, I will find some videos when I need help. How to do this? I will find a YouTube video, how to do this. And if they have a community, there are enough people sharing videos. So between two products, I always, as a user, I always go with the one that has a community. Yeah. Yeah, great, great stuff. Definitely, community is definitely very, very important. And so, as entrepreneurs, you need to build a community, one community, and you know, impact that community, right? So, it's a powerful concept. Let's shift towards some personal stuff. Uh, any personal habits that are helping you, helping you to be successful? Well, that is my my community. So, I run a community. It's called the JVC, the Joint Venture Club. And in there, there are people from Los Angeles to Singapore, and I have them on my phone. It's a 24-7 it's a Slack group. It's like my board of advisors. It's 50 members, and uh, they have different superpowers, different networks. And so together, we are the Avengers. I can post right now, I can post who can introduce me to somebody at Coca-Cola. And there's a high probability that from 50 people who are all in business since 10 years, 20 years, somebody might know somebody from Coca-Cola, even if it's just a friend of a friend. So that's the most powerful tool that I have ever uh, had. Uh, and it's, it's my community, the, the Joint Venture Club. And because this opens up opportunities and also we challenge each other, we start quests. Right now we have a quest of lending 200K via LinkedIn. And so everybody's trying to become a LinkedIn ninja because we have this quest. And so in the next three months, we want to lend 200K on LinkedIn. And so everybody's brushing up their LinkedIn game. And it's fun because you know you can learn from each other and then you say, oh, look at your banner. Your banner is terrible. What? I love my banner. And then, and then this is how you improve, right? Yeah, those are good points. Share any one personal learning or any one decision that took that you took that impacted your life. Every hour I am learning something, usually by uh, effing up something. So by mistakes, by taking wrong decisions, which I do a lot, by, yeah, mainly taking wrong decisions and learning from it. Uh, and the good thing is that it's, it's all frequent and small decisions, so I can change them quickly. But basically, yeah, by learning by mistake. And so I try to make many mistakes per day because then I learn a lot. And if, if they are frequent and if they are small, I can learn quickly enough. So then for the bigger decisions, 
uh, I have a, a better hit rate. Yeah, sure. Any books that impacted your life? There are all, there are a couple books. Um, and there's a very good book that has inspired me is called The Power of Moments. And it's about how you create a customer experience that your customer remember and that um, maybe they even tell, tell other people. It's full of examples, very well done book, uh, The Power of Moments. And then also writing my book and publishing it this year in English and next year in Chinese, Strategy Sprints, uh, that has changed me and influenced me because I, I had to write a cookbook something that you can open up. How do I do marketing? You go directly to the marketing chapter. Like when you're cooking, you just want to see um, this dish right now, Moroccan chicken. And then you go directly to the Moroccan chicken. You see the ingredients, you see how to do it. And so that was a challenge to write a book like this, but it worked. Now people can find how to do marketing, how to do sales, how to do client onboarding for a digital business. And that, that has changed me because it was a um, a lot of work and learning in, in in writing this yeah definitely whenever you create something you learn lots right either you know writing book or anything you know yeah awesome how can listeners can connect with you simon i hang out at strategiesprints.com this is where people can also download our tools they are open source we work in public and um and i also have a youtube channel called simon severino but the most most uh, tools to download, etc. People find at strategiesprints.com. Awesome! Thank you, thank you very much, Simon. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Thank you. That's the end of this episode of Multifamily AP three hundred and sixty. But we'd love to continue to help you on your journey. Head to ushacapital.com/podcast to join our email list for more tips and strategies. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is Multifamily AP 360 with Ramakrishna Chuntu. We'll see you next time.